Hey there, thanks so much for joining me on this edition of The Shalene Show, where today we're talking about social anxiety. And if you experience it, you're not alone. In fact, 80 to 90% of us report that we have experienced some form of social anxiety depending on the situation. And today I'm gonna share with you legitimate strategies that will work, strategies that go far beyond the, well, take a deep breath and learn to be friendly. Uh, Yeah, if you've ever thought to yourself, that's just not helping. You're gonna love this episode because we're talking real solutions. Welcome to The Shalene Show. Shalene is a New York Times bestselling author, celebrity fitness trainer, and obsessed with helping you live your dream life. It shouldn't be a surprise that so many of us suffer from social anxiety, or at least in some situations, we've felt uncomfortable, awkward, nervous, or even anxious. Even those of us who are really outgoing and love people and love to be in social settings have certain situations where it can be uncomfortable. So let's talk about the different types of social anxiety first, because you might not even realize that's what's going on with you. Now, some people can have social anxiety when they're around strangers or a big group of people, people that they don't know, people that they fear are going to judge them, while others might experience social anxiety around people they know. It's certainly not uncommon to feel anxiety when we're with someone in our family who just stirs up all of those emotions. So let's talk about what social anxiety is. It means we're socializing. Right. So that could be with family or it can be with strangers. It could be in a large setting, can be in an intimate setting, but we're socializing and we have anxiety. Now, if you break it down in those very simplistic terms, you can understand how there are certain family members, right? Like you're around your aunt or your mom or maybe a sister that you don't see very often because you're estranged and it makes you anxious. The thought of spending time with them stirs up a little bit of panic or nervousness, or you just feel uncomfortable. That's an example of social anxiety. Social anxiety might be in the form of a physical reaction. So whenever someone calls upon you and you have to speak publicly, maybe even at a you know, a dinner party or in a larger group, your face will turn red and you'll feel flustered. Your hands and palms will sweat and you lose your train of thought. You're at a loss for words. Maybe you love public speaking, like put you on a stage in front of 10,000 people and you're going to shine. You feel confident and secure, no self-doubt. But man, you get off stage and you have to have a one-on-one conversation with someone who was just sitting in the audience and you immediately feel uncomfortable. You feel nervous. You feel anxious. You feel like, oh my gosh, am I going to mess this up? Are they going to find out that I don't know as much as I do? Or am I going to say the wrong thing? Am I going to give them the wrong impression? So the anxiety, that's a feeling. And feelings are the result of beliefs. Feelings are not necessarily facts. And oftentimes our feelings have very little to do with facts and everything to do with our beliefs. Our feelings are usually a matter of our own perception. And just to be clear, Having social anxiety is different, or I should say it's separate from being shy or being an introvert or an extrovert. Remember, being an introvert or an extrovert really is a matter of how you feel energized. Some people feel more energized around people and other people feel more energized when they're by themselves. I'm oversimplifying things for this episode. But generally speaking, I want you to know that anyone can have social anxiety and you can have social anxiety that's specific to specific situations. 
just because you have social anxiety in certain social situations doesn't necessarily make you a shy person. It doesn't make you a bad person. It doesn't mean that you're insecure, but it does mean that that particular situation makes you feel less secure. And even a very confident individual can experience some social anxiety or insecurities in that particular situation. I'll use myself as an example, and I'll try to use as many other people's examples here too today, so that maybe you'll hear your own situation and it will give you some ideas of how you can solve this for yourself. I'm an outgoing person. I'm also what I consider an outgoing introvert. I love to be in social settings. I love people, but I also need a certain amount of time to be alone and by myself. I need to daydream. I need to think. Obviously, you've heard me talk recently a lot about my attention deficit disorder. And, you know, because of that, I've learned different ways to kind of manage my energy and manage my focus. However, even though I'm a confident individual, in certain social settings, I can feel insecure, meaning I feel uncertain. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't feel good about how I might be making another person feel. So for me, it's less about worrying that they're thinking I'm dumb or thinking that I'm not enough, more so I worry that I'm going to disappoint someone, that I won't say the right thing to make them feel comfortable or that I'll say too much or that I'm overbearing and I'll dominate the conversation. So it's a fear that I'm going to do it wrong. I'm going to disappoint someone. For others, that social anxiety might be a fear or a worry, an anxiety that comes up around your physical appearance. Like, gosh, maybe I'm not young enough, pretty enough, tall enough, thin enough, all of the, you know, physical things that we often get in our own head over. And we get in our head because we tend to tell ourselves stories. And these stories, we attach our ego to them. We attach our identity to them. They become beliefs. And with most beliefs, what we then do subconsciously is recreate situations where we can affirm our belief, even though we're doing this subconsciously. So say, for example, I'm uncomfortable when I'm in a very small group of individuals that I've never met before, and I'm having all of these insecurities like, gosh, what if I say the wrong thing? What if I don't make them feel comfortable? What if they think I'm full of myself? What if they think I'm not nice? What if they think I'm too talkative? You know, all these things go through my head. So if I'm feeling those things, and I'm invited to a party, and I'm thinking those things, right? That's my subconscious belief. And I'm like, then I already start telling myself that I don't want to go. I'm already telling myself that it's going to turn out a certain way because I have a belief about the way it's going to turn out. Then unknowingly, I go to the party, and I'll do things that support, unknowingly, my belief. So I might stay off to the side. I might show up late so that I don't have to interact. I might then leave early so I don't have to have that interaction. And I might have as few interactions as possible. And now I'm leaving that party or leaving that event and saying to myself, see, I didn't really meet anyone. It was very awkward. And it was awkward because I walked in thinking of it that way. And I think, gosh, I didn't make any connections with people. So you see, that's how social settings or social events are. They're awkward. And therefore, I have unknowingly created an experience that provides evidence of my false belief. If, say, for example, you are the way that you cope with your social anxiety is 
you cross your arms and you have this body language that tells the world like, you don't want to talk to me because I'm going to say something really dumb. I'm going to stick my foot in my mouth. I'm going to forget what it was I was going to say and I'm going to make a fool of myself. So I'm going to avoid making a fool of myself by not saying anything. But I keep saying this over and over in my head. Like if you talk, you're going to make a fool of yourself. You're going to forget your words. And then what happens? You follow through on your beliefs because subconsciously, we want to prove ourselves right. We don't realize we're doing this, but it's important that we hold on to our beliefs, even the false beliefs we have that don't serve us. So truthfully, step one is to just be aware that we are creating this reality with our own perception. It's not the facts, it's our feelings, and our feelings are based on our beliefs. So the best thing you can do is be aware, be self-aware. Ask yourself, are any of these things true? Now, go a step further and say, can I be 100% certain these things are true? Like say, for example, you need to ask yourself, is it true that when I am asked a question or I'm in a social setting that people think that I'm an idiot or that I always lose my words? And if you say, yeah, that's true, then ask yourself, am I 100% certain that it's true? And I doubt that you'll be able to say yes. So then you want to go a little further and ask yourself, where did this come from? Why is it I feel this way? When was the very first time I remember experiencing this? And what brought it on? And that's just step one, like understanding what situations cause you social anxiety and where do you think it stems from? Could it be that your parents labeled you as shy or that your parents did all the talking for you, which gave you the belief that you couldn't handle yourself in social settings? Like, so just dig a little further and you may uncover it, you may not. Step two is to recognize the things that you do as kind of a security mechanism. Dr. Ellen Hendricks calls this your security behaviors. I like to think of them as security blanket behaviors because it's almost like you are wearing a blanket over yourself when you engage in these quote unquote security behaviors. An example of that might be someone who is awkward when you see them in the way that they don't shut up. You know, that's another form of social anxiety is that person who they can't handle a moment of silence. So when they meet new people, they're like, they just go like a million miles per hour and their energy is so high that it's just, it's really uncomfortable. No one else can get a word in. They are afraid of silence. Who knows what they're really afraid of, but that's their security mechanism, right? That's their security behavior. And it almost acts like a security blanket that they're throwing over themselves. Another example of that might be that when you're in a social setting, like, again, your face turns red and you sweat and you cross your arms and you back away from people, right? And you make certain that you're sending off the vibe or the body language that you don't want to engage. Or maybe your technique is to pretend you're on your phone, not make eye contact, be unfriendly so that people don't talk to you. Maybe your security blanket behavior is alcohol, or recreational drug, like maybe you have to take a Valium or you take a glass of wine or a, a shot of vodka. 
And you're doing that to mask your feelings. You're doing it actually to numb your feelings. And that's become your security blanket. So it's like you're throwing a blanket over yourself. Now, here's what we do know about those behaviors as reported by Dr. Ellen Hendricks. By the way, she's got a great podcast about social anxiety too. You might check that out. I read her book sometime last year, of course, now at the moment, while I'm thinking about it, I can't think of the title of it, but we'll look it up and we'll put it in the show notes. Dr. Hendricks suggests that when we surveyed people who engaged with those who regularly practiced these security blanket behaviors, that when they removed them, when they just were aware of them and just didn't do the thing, whatever that was, like rambling or drinking before the event or being shy, like whatever the thing is that you do when you're socially awkward, when they literally just dropped it cold turkey, respondents said that those individuals were much more comfortable to be around. And it doesn't take a doctor to figure out why that would be. When we drop the securities, when we drop the blanket, now we can be ourselves. And everyone is more comfortable when we can be ourselves around other people. You're more authentic. Authenticity allows us to trust people. It allows us to connect with people. It allows us to know someone. It's difficult to ever feel like we know someone who's not being authentic because we all have pretty good radar for that. And when we're feeling anxious, it's hard for us to be authentic. And we have to be aware of these behaviors that we engage in so that we can drop them because I know I want to be someone that others are really comfortable around. So becoming aware of this has been incredibly helpful for me. Let me share with you an example of a situation where I can get social anxiety, the gym. And I know why, because I've spent a lot of time thinking about it. Why for many years, I only worked out in my own home or I felt comfortable teaching a class at the gym. But if I went and worked out at the gym, like by myself, like lifting weights or whatever, up until like five years ago, I would have total social anxiety. I didn't want anyone to talk to me. I would wear headphones. I'd keep my eyes down. I was always thinking that everyone in the gym was looking at me and judging what I was doing. And I know where it came from. It's because of my position in the fitness industry. Once my infomercials went on TV, I would get recognized at the gym. And I think it was probably just a couple of different situations where Someone approached me like a personal trainer or whatever, usually like a young kid, and they would say, and they're probably just being helpful, right? And and just trying to offer suggestions. But my own insecurities, my own imposter syndrome, believing, having this false belief that I didn't know enough to be considered a fitness expert, like those beliefs were swirling around in my head. So if some young personal trainer approached me on the floor and said, hey, do you know that you could adjust the machine this way or that way? Boom. I went straight to my own false beliefs that I didn't know enough and it would make me feel insecure. And therefore, I would feel aggressive towards that personal trainer and I'd want to say, I would never, ever say this, but I would want to say, really, you're going to tell me how to do blah, 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 when I have nine personal training, like I got so many fitness and personal training certifications because I was going to overdo it. I was going to overcompensate for 
the feelings I had of being an imposter. So those same feelings would creep into the way I perceived myself at the gym and the way I believed other people were perceiving me, that they were observing everything that I did. And if I didn't do each rep perfectly, I was being judged. Or if I quit early, if I didn't have the right intensity, I just, I thought that people were watching me. And I really had to become aware of the origins of that feeling. And I had to recognize that it had become unrealistic. It was ridiculous. I would feel uncomfortable just walking into the gym. Like I didn't even want to say hello to the person at the front desk, which probably made me seem really unfriendly. But it was just like this social awkwardness, like, oh, no, I'm going to have to engage in a conversation. Then that person's going to know what I do and they're going to tell someone else and the whole gym's going to be talking about me. And then I realized one day while I was at the gym and thinking about how ridiculous this notion was that everyone who's at the gym working out is watching themselves in the mirror. They're certainly not watching me. They could care less. Nobody knows who I am. This was just this anxiety that I created in my head. And once I became aware of it, I decided to drop the security blanket. You know, I would walk in the gym now today. I've been doing this now for about five years, but Today, I walk in and my headphones are down and I'm talking to people and I look forward to greeting the people at the front desk and I don't take it personally. I think it's cute when one of the personal trainers wants to offer a suggestion or a tip and I understand why they're doing that now. They're looking for new clients. They're looking to be helpful for the same reasons I did it when I was a personal trainer. I learned to drop the security blanket, to recognize those behaviors And to reframe it and to remember like, gosh, there's so many people at the gym who are uncomfortable. I certainly don't need to make matters worse for them, which leads me to my next tip, which is to turn your focus from inward to outward. I think one of the reasons why I often feel, aside from the gym, other situations where I might have felt socially awkward is because I'm kind of like a dog, like, you know, a dog kind of needs to have a job. And I'm that way too. I have a difficult time not knowing like, okay, what's my goal? What's my job? What am I supposed to be doing here? Which is why casual social settings were really uncomfortable for me because I didn't have a job. I wasn't interviewing someone. I wasn't there specifically to network or to find out everything I could about a candidate for a job opening. The only objective was to just be social. And I didn't know what to do with that. I didn't know what my job was, what my objective was. So I would just get really kind of like insecure because I didn't know what to do. And I didn't know what that meant to just be social for the sake of being social. I'm so much more awkward than you actually realize. Now, that was my former self. Today, I feel very different about situations like that. Now, I really enjoy social settings. The only thing I will say is I still... I'm an introvert, so I still have to be aware that I can take social settings for only so long, and then I need to kind of like decompress. But now, just being aware of the fact that I need to turn my inward reflection outward has helped me to remember that in all situations, in all social settings, as I mentioned in our very first statistic, clearly 80 to 90% of people might be feeling socially awkward in that moment. And so now I realize I do have a job. My job is just to make other people feel comfortable. I want people to feel liked. I want people to feel at ease. I want people to feel accepted and seen. I want people to know that I am so freaking interested in them and that's authentic. Side note, it is not uncommon for people who have 
uh, social anxiety to overdo it with the questions because you're never going to ask me any questions if I can dominate the conversation and ask a million questions about you. But you see, relationships, communication should be give and take. And if all I'm doing is asking questions, asking questions, asking questions, and I'm not giving you a chance to ask any questions about me, I'm not really giving you anything, am I? And it's difficult for you to connect with me. I might feel really connected with you because I'm getting all this information, but how can you feel connected to me if you don't have any information about me? And that was important for me to learn because I do like to ask a lot of questions. I am crazy curious And a part of me is always like, why would anyone want to know anything about me? Like, you know, and also I don't have time to tell them anything about me because I want to know more about them. Today, when I walked into the gym to work out, I thought before I walked in about the situation. And this is my next tip to you. Before entering into your next situation where you might feel a little bit of social anxiety, I want you to picture what it is that you're thinking And imagine that the other person is worried about that for themselves. So today when I walked into the gym, or before I walked into the gym, I should say, I thought to myself, okay, headphones down. You're going to, you know, talk to the people at the front desk. And instead of asking them a bunch of questions, which I normally do, I'm going to share something about my life with them. And I knew the gal at the front desk. I see her all the time when I check in. She's a sweetheart. She teaches turbo and... Like, I know that she teaches on Sundays. Like, I know that she's been teaching Turbo since like round four. Like, I know all these things about her. And I don't know if she knows really anything about me. So today, I went to the gym a little later because we had landed from a flight, had to get a later workout because I couldn't work out in the morning. And when I walked in, she was like, oh, hi, Shalene, how are you? Oh, you're here a little bit later today. And for me, that was like an instant opportunity to share with her. So I mentioned to her that, yeah, you know, I don't normally like to work out this late in the day, but we've been doing a lot of traveling. Just got back from watching my son. My son plays football at UC Davis. Like I shared some information with her, connected with her, asked her some questions. But first, before I, you know, went hog wild with all my questions, I offered a little bit of information about myself. And that's how we connect. Next, everything you do that is uncomfortable is so until you get good at it. And if you listen to the show on the regular, you know one of our themes is you've got to fail often if you're ever going to be successful. You have to fail your way forward to be a success. There's no one who's good at social situations who hasn't failed miserably in them. Early on in my career, when I needed to learn more about pitching myself and selling myself, I read everything I could and listened to everything I could on the art of selling from my mentor from afar at the time, Brian Tracy. And in one of his, I can't remember which book or which audio cassette I'd listened to, but he mentioned this idea of making it your goal to get 10 no's a day. Like if you're going to pitch to 10 different people, like make it your objective, like make it your goal to get at least 10 people to say no. Because if you could get 10 people to say no, in the process, you were likely, just because of the law of averages, to get two people who said yes, which would be a success. And I kind of think of that the same way with your social situations. If the next time you're going to be in a social setting and you're worried that your joke, no one's going to laugh at it, or that you are going to say the wrong thing or stumble over your words, make that your goal. 
so you can actually laugh about it and go, well, I did it. Because the more you become comfortable with that, the more you realize it's just an opportunity to get better at it the next time, the quicker you're going to get good at social settings. We get better at things where we realize we have room for improvement, we think about it, and instead of trying to avoid it, we practice it. So what do you need to get better at? Is it small talk? Well, then learn how to be better at small talk. Think in advance about the different questions that you could ask. Consider before you walk into the event what things you could share about yourself that's not sharing too much information because we all know that individual. Consider the worst case scenario, which by the way, isn't going to happen. But even if it did, it's not going to kill you if you tell a joke and nobody laughs. You are not going to die if you walk up to a group of six or seven people who are having a conversation and everybody ignores you. So what? Who cares? And all of those things that you're thinking right now or you think to yourself when you're in a social setting that's uncomfortable, none of them are true. You know very well that we like people. We relate to people who are imperfect, who can be honest, who can be authentic, who can be themselves. I mean, who doesn't have social anxiety? And doesn't it just make more sense that you're open and honest about like, gosh, I'm really nervous because I don't know anybody here. If you say that to someone, they're going to put you under their wing. Like we like to take care of other people, right? And you like to do that too. So the last and final reminder I have for you is to remember that when you are feeling socially awkward, you're actually being self-focused. And that's never a good thing. I want you to take the focus off of yourself and put it onto others. It's something that's referred to often as the spotlight effect, where like, for example, when I was at the gym, I had this feeling that there was like a spotlight following me around at the gym. Meanwhile, nobody cares. Everyone has their own spotlight on them. And so the sooner I could get through to myself, no one cared what I was doing. Everyone was worried about themselves and what others were thinking about them. And I could, instead of focusing on myself, focus on helping others feel more comfortable. Social anxiety is something you can fix. Now, if your social anxiety is to the point at which it's debilitating and you can't leave your house and you experience panic attacks, I do recommend that you consider working with a trained professional. It's a shortcut. As with all things, I mean, just going to someone who specializes in this is the shortcut. If you have a tooth that is causing you so much pain and it's hard for you to enjoy yourself or enjoy other people, you would go to the dentist. If you're missing out on special occasions, if you're not going to your best friend's wedding or it's hard for you to go to the grocery store, just you feel social anxiety just being out in public, there's no reason why you should suffer in this way. You're allowing that anxiety to rob you of some incredible experiences. Needlessly, you absolutely can overcome this. So if your social anxiety is on another level, if it's debilitating, if you experience panic attacks, if it's affected your life in this way, I urge you to seek the help of a therapist, a trained therapist. Find the right therapist as always. Your recovery and your treatment is only as good as your relationship with your therapist. As I always say, you know, do a Yelp search, listen to the episodes that Dr. Michaela and I did on finding a good therapist, but you can ask around, you can do a Google search. Just don't be 
afraid to see more than one therapist. And by that, I mean, like, just date a few before you say, okay, I'm going to see this person on a more regular basis. A good therapist understands that you might only book one session to see if you jive. That's really important. All right. I'm such a fan of you going to therapy because those are my favorite messages when I hear from someone who's like, Shaleen, you talked about it for years. I finally went and I've never, ever received a message from someone who said, and I regretted it. The only thing I ever hear in terms of regret is I regret that I didn't go sooner. What a game changer. My life is transformed. My marriage is better. My job, blah, blah, blah. Like, it just, you're going to be better for it. So consider it. You know, we can only do so much ourselves. It's always faster. It's always a more direct route. You're always going to save time and money and frustration when you go directly to an expert, no matter what it is we're talking about, whether building a house, building a business, or overcoming social anxiety. All right, before I say goodbye, I want to share this review with you and say thank you. Thank you so much for these, you guys. I really appreciate it. And as you know, what's most important is that you're subscribed. Subscribe to the show. I love the reviews too, but don't forget to subscribe. Hi guys, I'm Lexi, Team Johnson's digital content strategist. And today's review is by Rach T13 and it's titled, You're Amazing with Five Stars. Your podcast has helped me learn how to focus on becoming the best version of myself. I am a wife, a mom, and a step-parent and I have started therapy for myself and my family. I love your episodes on parenting, relationship advice, and self-help. Thank you for everything you do. Love ya. Heart emoji. Hey, thanks so much for listening. I love you. And I'll talk to you on Friday. This episode has been sponsored by CourageousConfidenceClub.com. It's a club that I've created specifically to help people who struggle with confidence and insecurities and social settings and just standing up for themselves, being yourself and feeling good about it. All of us could benefit from having more confidence. I'd love for you to just experience a taste of it. So please be my guest by going to shaleenjohnson.com forward slash confidence tips. Now, if you don't feel like writing that web address down or remembering to go there later, All you have to do is, while you're listening from your phone, send me a text message. The number is 949-565-4337, and that is for U.S. residents. Then just send me the word confidence, and I will send you access to this video. This video will help you to eliminate self-doubt and just feel more confident in any situation, whether it's work or personal or just your social interactions. Every one of us can benefit from having more confidence. There you'll submit your email address and I will immediately send to your inbox my latest training video where I teach you step-by-step how to feel more confident in just about any social setting. I think you'll find this incredibly useful, whether it's business or personal or just in your everyday interactions. Confidence is something that makes life easier. It helps you to raise more confident, self-efficient children. It allows us to speak our mind, to stand up for ourselves, to do the things that otherwise we are paralyzed by fear and we just allow our own thoughts to stop us. By learning how to overcome self-doubt and fear of success, you can become that confident person that others are attracted to. The person you wanna be, the person you deserve to be, the person you know is inside of you. 
So thank you for checking out my free tools by going to shaleenjohnson.com forward slash confidence tips.